Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast, and he's back, not Boris Johnson. <laughs> we'll come on to that in a minute, but Tom McGillicuddy has returned to the pod. Nice of you to show up this week, Tom. Well, just a bit of fake news last week, saying I was in Portugal, but Matt had actually locked me in a cupboard and he let me out last night, just in time for a new fearless leader to be crowned in the UK. This week's Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, so uh, round about now, he'll be making his way to see the King. He might be out by the time tomorrow, by <laughs> yeah. the time the podcast <laughs> So as things stand, Rishi Sunak is due to be appointed Prime Minister of the UK today. Um, and... Hence this episode, which is Rishi Sunak, No Money, Mo Problems, which Tom, you reliably inform me, is a reference to hip-hop. Yes, Something it I'm is. not familiar with. Your favourite artist, Notorious B.I.G. The Notorious. Rest in peace. The Notorious Big. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the big lad. <laughs> so, uh, we, you know, we say, we, we say a lot of the time that uh, don't focus on the UK, but today we are focusing <laughs> on the UK. And the reason is, is that the UK has been making international headlines uh, for probably all the wrong reasons for the last few weeks. Um, fears in the market that what's going on economically in the UK could be a, a, a catalyst or a, or a risk of contagion into other areas of, of the markets. And, you know, we wanted to highlight basically that, you know, Rishi Sunak is coming into power facing all the exact same economic problems that Boris Johnson had about 15 weeks ago when he, he decided to uh, resign and uh, but arguably now he's got less room for manoeuvre. He's got fewer, uh, you know, weapons in the arsenal, if you like, to try and solve these problems and turn it round. So yeah. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, the big, the global trilemma, the uh, <laughs> growth, inflation, and financial stability. Those problems that are being faced, and ultimately what it means for the UK and what it means for you as a as a long term impact investor. So before we jump in to that. Um, should we just? I'm just going to do a quick review of how we've got to where we've got to. Yeah. Um, if anyone wants to go over, <laughs> go over that. Wants to relive it. So, um, you know, this a lot has happened in a short amount of time, really. So, seventh of July was when Boris Johnson said he was going to resign. Back then, inflation was at ten point one percent. The Bank of England base rate was at one point two five percent, and the thirty year gilt yield, which is the rate that the government, the rate of interest that the government pays on thirty year loans was 2.53%. 6th of September, that's when Trust became PM. Base rate was up at 1.75%, so the Bank of England had raised the base rate. Gilt yields went up to 3.37%, and inflation was still at 10%. Then the mini-budget, which has now been rowed back. I heard someone maybe say it should be called a nano-budget now, because hardly any of it is, is exists still. But that was the 23rd of September, and that's really what accelerated the, the demise of... of both Quasi Quarteng and Liz Truss. And it's also what accelerated the the uh, the run on gilts, basically, that took yields up to 4.99% on 30-year gilt by the uh, 27th of September. Caused Liz Truss to resign, or say that she was going to resign. She actually officially resigns today, but on the 20th of October, and base rate was at 2.25%. And on that news, gilt yields went down one percentage point to 3.95%. And then... 24th of October, yesterday, it was announced that Rishi Sunak is going to become the Prime Minister. Inflation probably still in double digits. 
you know, a lot of it, a lot of people now saying that it's probably yeah. peaking. Um, that'll be that'll be yet to be seen. Yeah. And gilt yields are at uh, 3.89%. So what you've seen in a 15-week period is gilt yields go from 2.53 to around 3.89. Yeah. And we still face all of the same problems that we face as a country. And a lot of those are the same problems that many economies around the world are, are facing, which is how do you kickstart growth? Yeah. How do you solve for the for the ultra high inflation that, that we're seeing? And how do you do that in a way that ensures that you continue with financial stability? Yeah. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. I, th- I suppose the, the thing that stands out for me is that our UK borrowing costs, that guilt rate is still much higher than it than it was yeah. before this whole fallout. So it's it's come down a little bit. Rishi's seen as you know the markets, the financial markets' preferred candidate, the the, the person that can bring back a little little bit of stability. But that, you know that's the permanent or you know looks more permanent um, lasting damage of of the situation that we that we've been through. And if you recall, prior to any of this happening, nobody was really talking about spending cuts in the yeah. UK at all. They were talking about. Inflation, yes. Um, Bank of England raising rates, yes. And they were talking about supporting household, households through the through the winter for energy bills, but no one was then talking about massive public spending cuts yeah. um, and cuts to areas where, if you're in the UK, you there are no real obvious areas where you can make those yeah. cuts. And so now, further tax rises are back on the agenda and yeah. spending cuts, and tax rises from what is already a historic high kind of tax base in terms of the, yeah. the taxes we're getting we're getting a uh, levied as a, as a nation. So it's, uh, and that's to your point of, doesn't seem to be many weapons in his arsenal. It's in a bit, he's in a bit of a trap, it seems like. So he's taken over with limited ability to influence things in a very, very difficult position and way less ability than he would, he would have had had he won the election uh, uh, against Liz Truss back in, back in the original leadership election after Boris Johnson. Yeah, and I think, you know, the thing is, his priority number one is that he won't <laughs> want to spook the markets again. Yeah. So, you know, the, the the advantage that he has of of not have playing out this full leadership contest, as in he was the only he's the only one that he was the only nomination official nomination in the yeah. end, means that he now has a week or he had a week from yesterday before the budget, which mm. is on Halloween, which seems like a seems like a gift to the press to do yeah. a, a budget on Halloween. Um, but you know he's got this forty million hole in the public finances where. Brilliant. 40 billion, sorry, 40 billion hole in public finances that they've got to plug. But as you say, the only real way you can plug that is, is if you show that you're going to increase taxes and get more get more money in the door yeah. or show that you're going to spend less yeah. by cutting. Um, you can address that one problem, but then it doesn't solve any of the other issues that we're facing as a society anyway. So, you know, and one of those big issues is inflation. Yep. Target for the Central Bank of England is to get the uh, the inflation rate at two percent yeah. annually. We're currently at ten percent, or perhaps even over, depending on what you look at it. But um, you know, the way that the Bank of England will try and solve inflation is to—we've talked about this before—but they mm. will try and raise interest rates. Yeah. The idea is that you make money more expensive, so therefore less money flows through the system, less spending happens, and you drive down prices that way. Yeah. The issue with that yeah. is that. This inflation is not caused by people spending. It's not caused by the economy booming. Yeah. It's not caused by people feeling richer. Mm-hmm. It's caused by basically imported inflation. It's caused yeah. by the war in Ukraine, and it's caused by supply chain issues off the back of yeah. of COVID. So if you look at that, if you look at um, the inflation rate 
then roughly about 30% of that is made up from just fuel bills. Mm. Um, now, the government are going to try and artificially contain yeah. that by guaranteeing the rate on energy prices. But again, to try and balance the budget, they're looking at maybe, well, they're looking at, 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 at that was meant to be a two-year scheme. It's now mm. six months, and they're going to come out and review it in future. So yep. you may you may be able to get some cap on inflation in the short term through that. But then the other areas of, of, that are driving inflation, food is around 10%. Transport is around 10%. And then the category called like recreational goods, which is basically stuff that you buy. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, f- food is, 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 has a lot of these global factors baked into it. Yeah. It's a supply chain problem again. Uh, transport is again, you know, fuel. Yeah. <laughs> fuel costs driving through. And the recreational goods is again, it's, supply, it's mainly supply chain. It's all these imported goods, all the consumer goods, electricals, all of these type mm-hmm. of things that we import. So, I don't. I don't really see where you go in the UK yeah. to try and quash that inflation in the UK through interest rates. I'm not sure that's yeah. going to have much effect, and I'm not sure what you can do as a as a legislator in the UK to try and do that either. Yeah, and we've got this knock on effect in the in the UK, which is I was explaining to, to some of my <clears throat> friends in the US. In the US, the default thing is to take out a mortgage that is like a 30-year fix. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, it's like two to five-year fix mortgages, and then you go into flexible. So if the Bank of England tries to combat inflation by raising rates, obviously that doesn't make as much sense as if it was a demand-driven kind of inflation problem. Yeah. But you have the knock-on effect then of of raising people's mortgages. Yeah. Um, And so there are millions of people over the next uh, two quarters, six months, set to roll off onto their flexible mortgage rates. And you could see mortgages for certain people going up 50, 75%, 100% yeah. Yeah. Uh, every single month. And so the Bank of England and the Treasury, the, you know, the government, are having to kind of balance those two things out. They want to be seen to be financially credible, so they don't want to spend loads of money. And the Bank of England will want to be seen to be financially credible too, and so will probably raise interest rates a bit. But in doing so, they probably couldn't go all the way they want to because of the knock-on effect it will have on people's mortgages, people's debt, uh, and the impact it will have on people's day-to-day lives across the country. You kind of map that against Rishi Sunak and the, and, and, and the government's desire to have some level of popularity as yeah. well. So it'll probably stop them doing that the full way too. And so you, 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 when you weigh all these competing factors up, it looks like they're kind of frozen really. Yeah. And there's no major obvious thing that Sunak can do to help in the short term um, with UK specific problems. Yeah. I mean, as I said before, I think, you know, I think his, his priority is going to be to plug this, this budget uh, hole but you know the the only way you can do that is basic, basically by you know taking no action on anything else really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know it's 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 this it's this growth this this growth problem that you've basically got now. And it's and this look this I think it's fair to say that you know, the, the, the political argument is oh it's all self inflicted it's all all yeah. the work of Liz Truss. And and the and the and the conservative argument, well, it's a global problem. The mm. fact is, it's a global problem. Yeah. The economies around the world are struggling for growth, and they yeah. are trying to tackle inflation. But the other fact is, it was made much worse by by what's just happened in the UK for yeah. us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's 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 this it's this risk that you've got um, now. We're trying to balance these three three aspects of inflation, growth, and maintaining financial stability and financial credibility. Yeah. Is a really tough task for 
Bank of England and the government. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an exceptionally difficult time for basically every country globally. With the reasons that we've just been through, inflation, growth, financial stability, you know, the UK, I think, has some unique challenges as well um, set against that. You know, Brexit is is something that's looming looming over us in a non-political sense. That is a headwind from an economic perspective. There's a great 30-minute little mini documentary on the Financial Times YouTube channel about the, the problems with Brexit right now because yeah. it's not made trade any easier. It's not yeah. made getting in international labour any easier into the workforce. And so there are short-term problems. Maybe long-term we can come out of that and it'd be way more prosperous than we were before. But at the moment, there are no observable kind of benefits to it. And it's interacting with us at the worst possible global economic moment, moment yeah. as well. So whilst we've got these external factors, we've got this additional internal factor that we've kind of brought upon ourselves. And that's, you know, sets the a little bit for some long-term UK challenges that if we are to return to uh, an economy that is growing and, and kind of prosperous, that Rishi Sunak and uh, his chancellor, or uh, that, that maybe Jeremy Hunt, TBD, will need to will need to address. And I don't want to go through a laundry list of bad news for people in the UK. Feels like you might do, but <laughs> but I'm going to do that, and then and then we can discuss what can be done about those things because. What a lot of these things are not talked about in UK kind of political economic debate. They're talked about by economists, yeah, and they're talked about by certain newspapers, but not really. You know, uh, they're not really part of the general discussion. And that that is number one. We have an aging domestic population, yeah, which means that our you know our workforce participation, i.e., the number of people that we have wor- of working age that are working, has been decreasing. It's actually decreased by one point two million people since two thousand and nineteen. So we've got less people working and less people paying. Tax. Yeah. That's a problem for an economy. So one way of plugging that is through immigration. Um, but there's, you know, uh, I would say that there's a good chunk of the political debate in the UK which is anti-immigration, and Brexit has has been a hindrance to us getting in more immig- immigrants from from the EU. So that those those are t- structural issues. Anyone who's travelled around the UK at all recently, and, and you know, we, we both do this every single week. We're yeah. meant to be in London tomorrow, but because of the trains, we can't be. Yeah. We're meant to be in London next week, but because of the trains, we can't be. Public services, you know whether it's trains, buses, whatever, are deteriorating. Yeah. If you take them um, regularly, you can see that. Um, and so cuts to public services, which have been kind of rumoured, I'd be interested to see where they think they can find those yeah. from because it's yeah. not like you get on a bus and go, well, this is this is too plush. This, <laughs> there's too many of these per hour. Um, and so that th- those are factors. An additional factor is trade. Um, trade can, you know, uh, frictionless trade can help economic growth, but now our trade levels have fallen behind our peer group. Similarly, our growth is now behind our peer group and GDP per capita is, has been lagging since 2008, which was the financial crisis. And then we've got, you know, R&D spending, which is, you know, in areas of like science and innovation and things like that, which is lagging as well. Um, a huge elephant in the room in the UK is the housing situation and yeah. planning to build more houses, which could help with growth. And then unlike our, unlike say Germany, for example, we have a very concentrated economy in one place, London, and that results in, you know, a highly unequal society. So if you look at like aggregate metrics for the UK overall, a lot of them are are deteriorating, but they still don't look too bad in a global perspective. But if you look at them in a regional perspective, I think people would be surprised at the GDP per capita levels in certain parts of, you know, Northern England where we're from and the public services in those areas, uh, the schools in those areas, et cetera. And so we have a very lopsided, concentrated economy and which is where our politics are, which is where a lot of the media are, et cetera. And the rest of the UK isn't really shown. So if you were to redistribute and put a lot of investment into the different areas, 
areas of the UK, that would be another way of, of boosting growth. And so I think that those are set against a very, very difficult global economic picture. And those are the local challenges yeah. that, that somebody coming in would have to address. I mean, the one I'd just add in, which does, you know, the, the topic does get a lot of airtime, but it's a real problem for e- the economy as well is the NHS, the wait, mm. the wait, we're at record waiting lists. Yeah. We've got, we've got people sat on waiting lists. Uh, yeah, for you know, routine operations. For routine things, which which again is another, we've got a labour shortage in, in, the, yeah. in the country. There must be, and I think when I did the rough numbers, about there must be about 700,000 people who were in work, mm. who are now on an NHS waiting list, mm. and therefore are, are waiting for a procedure it means that they currently can't work. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, all of these problems are connected in some way. In some way. Yeah. And the issue that you have now is that, you know, the, the, the Chancellor and the Prime Minister are looking at ways to cut yeah, yeah. Or, or increase taxes off a record high tax yeah. take at the moment. Yeah. So, so you know, what, you said there was going to be some positive, Tom. I'm looking forward well, to I'm looking forward to this. I'll come to it in a second. <laughs> because the crying shame of all this is, up until very, very recently, you know, the past 12 years, we've had record low interest rates for the government to raise debt and invest in areas that yeah. could uh, make a meaningful difference to the long-term prospects of the of the UK economy. And now the debt cost is, is much, much higher. But I think the, the positive from this or the positive potential step forward is there are some growth areas that we could invest in. And I think that if a chancellor and, 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 a, and, a, and a prime minister came forward with a proper long-term investment plan and not call it just a, a debt increase plan or tax cuts or whatever, yeah. a thought-through long-term investment plan that would uh, produce some tangible steps that could result in medium to long-term growth. I think the markets would react well to that. Yeah. And that pr- perhaps would in turn reduce our debt servicing levels, which would mean that we can raise debt in order to invest in the long-term yeah. prospects of the economy. Because yeah. what happened recently was the debt was raised, but with no with tying it in no way to growth or any kind of short, medium, long-term prospects. Yeah. It was just random tax cuts and, yeah. and, and, and more debt increases. But if there was a targeted plan, for example, on investing in the green economy, investing heavily yeah. on nuclear, controversial, we've said it before, but yeah. just as an example, heavily in science and technology to make the UK a leader in yeah. that, we're already pretty good. Yeah. You know, Huge investments into infrastructure nationwide in terms of the rail, in terms of internet access, housing, the elephant in the room, if that was addressed. There's, there's a lot of areas where you could put together a credible long-term economic plan and the markets could react well to it, which would enable you to then do it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, we didn't say that we hadn't said this yet, but I think, I think almost for me, if we can find a way for the, for the UK government to start impact investing in in its own economy, exactly. effectively, you know, you can solve some, you can do some sort of killing two birds with one stone type stuff. For example, if you start to invest in the healthcare system and you reduce those waiting times, you get more people back into the workforce. If you can find a way to start investing in that green energy transition, then, you know, long-term you sort out the energy security problem. Long-term you sort out energy inflation problem. You know, you've you've got these these things where, and you also obviously start to solve the climate problem, which has yeah. fallen way off the agenda recently yeah, yeah. because everyone's caught up in the yeah. in the sort of soap opera of the politics of it all. Yeah. You know, but we need to fix the short-term stability uh, it, question and then there needs to be a real cl- credible pr- plan to yeah. start solving the big problems that we face as a country and yeah. kickstarting the economy and yeah. getting growth back in. I think that's a, you know, your, 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 your analogy there or your, your, your view there is like perfect really because what we're doing is making these long-term investments into the future. 
yeah. industries of the future, which we think offer the best opportunity for long-term growth. Yeah. Why doesn't the UK government take a similar view and articulate that to the markets yeah. and get them to buy in on the growth prospects of them and go ahead and invest in them? And, and you know, it will take, it'll take a, a decade or more to yeah. probably see these things through. But with a properly coherent plan, it's the only way in which I think that the UK can get back onto a solid growth path for future generations. Yeah. I feel it's going to be really difficult for him now oh, because he's got such a divided not. party. Mm. He's got such he's, he's going to be terrified of spooking the markets further. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I don't expect any bold. You know, we can't expect any bold action because I think exactly as you said, he's terrified and he's been brought in as this like safe technocratic custodian. So I think I don't think much will happen over the next two years until the next the next election. By that point, we could be in a in a better economic situation globally anyway. So that might be the thing that helps short term. We did say. But the UK doesn't matter. <laughs> we did say the UK doesn't matter. I've just uh, 350 million a week was the Brexit dividend. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's that gone? Not gone to the NHS. That was to the NHS. 18 billion a year. Yeah, to the NHS. So that, could plug, that could plug the gap. Why, why has everyone forgotten about that? <laughs> why, you know, why do we get that? Um, no, we did say we, that the UK doesn't matter or in terms of when you're thinking as a global investor. Yeah. I think some of the things we've talked about, though, we've talked about some UK uh, specific problems or, or, or areas where the UK is suffering more, um, but the big the big questions of inflation, growth, mm. and they are problems being faced by basically all the developed markets yeah. across the globe. So they're prevalent for every investor. But yeah. what does it mean for you as a as a as a as an investor? And I think we've 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 done this a lot in the last few episodes, but I think it's worth reminding reminding people that you know if you're investing, you're investing for the long term. If you're impact investing, you're investing in these areas which are the areas where you should see long-term yeah. growth. You've also got to think about when inflation's really high, even if cash rates are going up, do you you are losing money over the long-term in real terms if you're sat in cash. Yeah. So yes, markets are probably going to be volatile and remain volatile, but if you stay invested, diversified, and you can think and commit to the long-term, then that's that's probably the way forward. Yeah, absolutely. Stay diversified, stay long term, and stay invested in the in the industries of the future. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Impact investing from circa five thousand. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by circa five thousand. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk. And this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast.